You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10 tonight. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, this is where we'll be looking over the Easter season and uh, as we do some reflection on why was all of that necessary, what you just saw in uh, that video. Why was that so critical? Why was it uh, so important? And uh, the series is Once for All. Uh, Tonight's message is called The Sun's Shadow. The Sun's Shadow. You ever think about shadows and uh, what they can mean and uh, how you react to them? I I can remember last year uh, walking down the sidewalk with my grandson and the sun was coming down and my shadow was behind and he was trying to stomp on my shadow. And, uh, and I would just try and bob and weave and uh, make him miss all of the time. And, you know, shadows can be fun. Um, uh, shadows can be a little bit scary at night. You know, I think the boogeyman's coming and, and you see shadows everywhere, things that you've never seen before, and there's a, a shadow. Um, so sometimes they can be a little bit scary. Um, sometimes they can even be romantic. You're walking along the beach, holding hands, and you see your shadow, and it's like, oh, isn't that cute, right? And shadows. Um, there's a shadow that's talked about in our text tonight, and uh, we're going to see it in just a moment. But we want to really take a focus during this Easter season. Ed said uh, in our prayer time, uh, he said, this is the best time of the whole year. And, and it really is. When we think about what was accomplished, what, what was really going on as Christ was about to make the ultimate sacrifice once for all. And uh, so I trust you've got your Bibles open now. Let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word. I'm going to read uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would not, they would not cease to be offered since the worshipers have once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for um, this amazing uh, chapter that we're going to look at on the next three Sundays and on Good Friday as we think about the reality of once for all, the foundation, the reason for all of this, what was accomplished in Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, what's our calling as a result? As followers of Jesus Christ, what are you calling us to? What are you calling us to be about? What are we supposed to look like? And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, take your word tonight, and as we kind of set the foundation for all of this, I pray, God, that you would give us ears to listen carefully to your word, minds, God, that we might understand it, And then, Lord, based on what we hear and learn tonight about how desperate we are, how hopeless we are, but the hope that is in Christ, that we would live differently for the glory of Jesus Christ the Lord, we pray it in his name. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, in this series, once for all, today uh, we're going to get the bad news. Um, This is the uh, set the table for all that's going to come, and tonight is really about the... uh, it's the bad news message. So you need to come back. Um, you need to come back next week. You need to come back and hear. Um, 
because uh, there's much more to uh, the good news that will come throughout the series. And on Good Friday, we're going to see the cost of our sin and the price that was to be paid and the reality of um, it's finished. Um, But then on Easter, we'll understand it's not only finished, but it's done. Um, It's finished and it's done. And then how will we live as a result of all of this? As a result of the once for all, what difference will it make for all of us? So let's dive right into uh, the text uh, today. Hebrews 10, 1 to 4. Uh, for since the law has put a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. The first thing we want to take a look at is the law the law and its intention. Uh, As um, um, you read the book of Hebrews, if you've ever studied it, you will know that the book of Hebrews is all about the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. It's all about focusing on who Jesus was and how he was sufficient for all of these things. And the first thing that... um, the, the people would have wrestled their way through was, well, we were under this old system. We were under this old way of doing things called the law. And how did Jesus take care of all of that? How did that all get put away? So the first thing we want to take a look at is the law and its intention. And we want to get to the foundation of all of that. So I'm going to ask you to keep your fingers in Hebrews 10, but flip all the way back to the first book of the Bible, uh, to Genesis. All the way back to Genesis I want to look at a few verses here because it kind of sets the, the reality of, of what was happening and what happened and what was the failure and why was all of this so necessary. So in Hebrews 2 verse 17, remember they're in the garden. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely, you shall surely die. Down to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we know that they went ahead and they ate uh, from the fruit. And then uh, down to verse uh, 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you had done this, cursed Are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field? And on your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat. And all the days of your life I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We have the fall of man. Man now is separated from God. Did they physically die? No, they didn't physically die, but they spiritually died. And a gulf was made between God and man that he could never, man could never satisfy. Man could never fix the problem that was created. And as a result, God gave the law. And uh, the law wasn't perfect. We're going to see some things about it because it really sets the framework for why Jesus Christ is so important. But the framework is set in that God gives us the law. 
In Romans 5, 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. And verse 18 says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all men. And so God gives the law. God gives them the law. He gives a standard. And, and as people see it and they understand it, if you just take the uh, Ten Commandments, which we're going to study this summer, you take them and just match yourself up against them and you realize how far fall we even, how far we fall short even in just in that alone. And God gives all of this law, sets it all down for them, what they need to do, and they, they can't keep it all. It's just not even possible for them, but it's a standard. Um, our... Uh, our system in North America, in Canada and the United States, was based upon some standards. Um, the uh, Canadian government, the American government, was based uh, primarily on a Judeo-Christian ethic. That's what it was based on. But as you watch it fall apart, the whole system falls apart. When there is no standard, when there's no foundation, it's just a matter of time till you come to every man does that which is right in his own eyes. We see it all over the place. People think they have the right to this, I have the right to that, and if I decide somebody's, I'm against somebody, if I take their life, that's really their problem. It's not far from, from where the things just go when you take away what the standard is. You watch what's happening in our nation in the area of marriage, and how long is it before you can have three or four husbands and three or four wives, and, and who knows where that goes in the depravity of man, because the standard is gone. And so God has set a standard in the Old Testament, and it's called the law. Um, and it did some things, some things you can write them down. We're not going to do a big study on what the law did tonight, but here's some obvious things it did. Uh, it revealed their sin. Um, they, were, they were needing to go now and make sacrifices be, because of their sin. They were, they were bringing sacrifices all of the time and special sacrifices once a year. Um, the law revealed their sin. It revealed the consequences of their sin. The wages of sin is death. And, and in, the, in the law, the, an animal had to suffer. Someone had to pay a price. The, there had to be a sacrifice made. Blood had to be shed. The consequences of sin. The law demonstrated that they couldn't fix their own problem. They couldn't do it on their own. And they had to fulfill these laws and make these sacrifices and do all of these things because the gulf that had been set between God and man in Genesis, they couldn't fix it. It demonstrated the need to be loyal to God and follow after him. The law filled the gap, as it were, between original sin and the cross. And the law gave hope. It gave a measure of hope. Because they would come and on the day of atonement, the, the priest would go in and the sacrifice would be made and, and it would give them a sense of hope. In Romans chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, it says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law... I would have not known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. 
But sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. So man understands his depravity. Man understands that he is separated from God. He understands that he has no hope. If you want to kind of sum the law up with four R's, uh, here's the words. Uh, the first R would be it's repeated. The ongoing grip of sin. The cycle that would happen over and over. We're going to see that in the text as we go. The, the law was repeated. The law was a reminder about the seriousness of sin. Here's another. Or the, the law revealed God's holiness. That he couldn't look on sin and it had to be taken care of. And, and the law also demonstrated that there was a remedy. There was a hope that was coming. And for us we understand that that was in Jesus Christ. So, so we get the foundation, right, for since the law, since the law, what was the law and what did it do? It, it really was the stopgap until Christ. It was really the thing that showed them how desperate they were. So now we get down in right into the text. It says, um, here's the thing, the law is a shadow. It's insufficient. The law as a shadow is insufficient. Back to verse one. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. It is insufficient. It is but a shadow. I got a picture of a shadow, I think, that's going to come up on the screen. I had them a fine one. It's actually a, a drawing of, and of a shadow of a bicycle, but... Um, when you think about a shadow, you can think about a lot of different things. First of all, it displays the image of the real thing in some form, but it's vague. It's not intricate. If it was an actual picture of a shadow of a bicycle, you would know it was a bicycle, but you wouldn't be able to tell what the sprocket was on the back. You wouldn't be able to tell whether it had been greased or not. You wouldn't be able to tell whether the chain was ready to fall off or had been put together by paper clips. You wouldn't be able to tell any of those things because the shadow doesn't show the intricacies of things. It's like a sketch of the real thing. It doesn't have all the details. You can see the shadow but you can physically examine the real thing. Um, the real thing, it's interesting in verse one, it says, for since the law has but a shadow of good things to come, the good things to come. And so there was the law and there was the price and there was the blood and there was the sacrifice and all of it was just a shadow of the good things that were coming. The good things in Jesus Christ, the good things in the finished work, and we're going to see that as we get um, into next week and, and through Easter, and, and just understand that the law, the law was just a shadow. It was a shadow. Shadow is not a bad thing. Um, sometimes a shadow can tell you a lot, but it can't show you the real substance I read this quote this week. The old covenant and its law were not themselves bad or evil. They're just incomplete and insufficient to bring total cleansing from sin and to save. Text goes on and says, but a shadow of the good things that are to come. The old testament, the old covenant is a mere shadow of the new covenant of what was going to come and what they would see in Jesus Christ. And so as, as the writer of Hebrews is writing, he's trying to help them understand that Jesus Christ is the only sufficient one. 
all of the law, all of the sacrifices, all of the things that they thought they were doing, it could not satisfy a holy God. Uh, we probably wouldn't see it exactly the same way in our world today because our, our society's not caught up on the sacrifices, and, but we all get hung up on the things that we think are gonna make us appealing to God and acceptable to God. And whether it's our, our good works or the things we have or the way we live in front of other people, the reality is none of those things are sufficient. They're just not sufficient. I'd encourage you over the next couple of weeks to read Hebrews chapters 8 and 9 and 10 as you think about the Lord Jesus Christ. But in Hebrews 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8 and verse 5, it says, they serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. The text goes on in Hebrews chapters 10 and it says that they are continually offered Every year, the, the sacrifices, this, the law is being offered every year and uh, probably pointing to the, uh, the sacrifice of the atonement that once a year and the high priest would go into the, into the temple and into the, into the holy of holies. And that was a fearful day for that guy. They would tie a rope around his ankle so that if he went in there and he wasn't right before God and God struck him dead, they could, they could get him back out. Um, and once a year, they would make this sacrifice on behalf of the nation. They regard it as very sacred. Um, and yet, the reality was, it had to be offered every year. It had to be offered every year. And so, although when it was over, you felt good and you'd done the right thing and you realized you'd fulfilled the law, you knew that it was coming again next year and you knew it was coming again next year and you knew it was coming again next year because the law and the sacrifices, they weren't sufficient. They weren't sufficient. And the great news is that Jesus Christ died once for all. The work of the Lord Jesus Christ was sufficient. They could not be free from the stains of guilt. They could not give ease through troubled conscience. Their sin was not put away. It was not sufficient. Well, the reality here is that was the shadow. The law is insufficient. The next thing we want to see is the scope, and that is the law is incomplete. Look at verse 2. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? Um, it's incomplete. The law, incomplete, although it was what they had at the time. It was, it was right for them at the time, but it was incomplete. There was something more that was going to come. And if it had been complete, why would they keep on offering over and over again? Otherwise, they would, would they not have ceased to be offered? It's kind of like uh, medicine that you take and you go to the doctor and he gives you a medication and if you take it, 
and you're healed and you never need to take it again, that's one thing. But that's not the picture here. The picture here is more like uh, my situation where I have high blood pressure. A little bit of, can you have a little bit of high blood pressure? Uh, I got a little bit of high blood pressure. And so I have to take a pill and I have to take it every day. I take one every day. And I'll have to take it every day for the rest of my life. That's what the law was like. It wasn't like a medication that you were healed and it was over. It was a thing that would control the situation for you. And that's what the law was doing for them. It was incomplete. It could not completely heal them. They're offered every year. Indeed, every day, there would be people bringing sacrifices for their sins and getting things right. And because it wasn't once for all, the conscience wasn't satisfied. And the guilt wasn't all covered. Romans 8, 3 and 4 says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of a sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The law convinces people of their sinfulness. The law would come and cover their sin, but it couldn't take their sin away. The law was incomplete. Many offerings over and over and over again. Well, here's the next thing we want to see, and it's in verses 3 and 4. It's the work, the work of the law. It was impossible. Look what it says in verses 3 and 4. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible The thing that they were doing could not ultimately satisfy what God was requiring of them. It was was impossible. The repetition of the sacrifices demonstrates the ongoing grip of their sin. Last year's sacrifice does not cover this year's sin, thus leaving guilty everyone who tried to fulfill the law. We remain in a sinful condition. The atonement, which is probably what's pictured here in this text, was it meant it meant to to cover, to cover, and so that sacrifice was meant to cover. But animal sacrifices could never take away the sin. The blood of bulls and goats cannot take away the sin. They represented a payment for sin but they could not take away sin. The, the, the defect in all of that was that they were animals. And so here's some things you just need to understand is as the Hebrews are hearing this and their understanding and most of them probably being Jews, understanding what all of this meant and, and they going, the blood of bulls and goats can't take away. That's right, we had to keep doing it over and over and over again. Oh, but Jesus Christ is the sufficient one. Why couldn't an animal's sin or blood cover your sin? Well, because they're not of the same nature. They're not the same nature with us. It's like, duh, it's an animal. 
You're higher than that. You're not, you know, God's creative plan is so cool. When you get caught up in the, what the world believes and where we came from and evolving out of and all the rest, it's like God's like, no, no, no. I created man. I created him. And so no blood of a bull or a goat or any animal was ever going to be able to cover man's sin because it was just an animal. They're not of the same nature. That's the first thing. Here's another one. They were not sufficient, to, um, sufficient value to make satisfaction of God's requirement. They didn't have the value, even in God's eyes, that you have. Here's another thing. The beast offered under the law could not consent to put themselves in the sinner's place. They didn't willingly. The bull didn't walk up to the, here I am, I'm ready to give myself up for you. It's like, even the weight of that. The bull was taken. Its life was taken from it. But it didn't willingly come. It didn't make the sacrifice. It wasn't coming to pay the price for you. The sacrifice must be by one capable and consenting to be the sacrifice. Only Jesus, the perfect sacrifice of the new covenant, takes away the sin of the world. In the Old Testament, the blood for them was a reminder of their sin. The blood was just a reminder. For us, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is a reminder of the finished work of our deliverance by Christ on the cross. We talk about that every time we have communion here. We talk about the, the grape juice, how it, it represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, Christ, the night before he died, he's, he's going to go and he's going to hang on a cross. He's going to shed his blood. He's going to be the right and only and righteous payment for my sin. That's what he's going to do. And he says what? You do this to remember me. You don't do this to remember how much you failed. You don't do this to remember how pathetic you are. You don't do this to, to um, get to a place of, oh, woe is me. No, no, you do this so that we remember what Jesus Christ did for us once for all. And so the writer says, the work of the law, it's working is impossible because it's really just the shadow of something greater that is going to come. So the blood for them was a reminder of their sin, but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is a reminder for us of the finished work of our deliverance in Christ. So the writer of Hebrews, he's writing, and we see the intention of the law and how it did what it could do, but it could not accomplish what needed to be accomplished. That was going to come through Jesus Christ. We see that the shadow shows that the law is insufficient. The law cannot save you. It's incomplete. The law had to be done over and over and over and over again. And the work of the law is impossible because the blood of bulls and goats can't save anybody. Only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once for all, the sun's shadow, 
all that the law was doing was in preparation for what would be accomplished when the Lord Jesus Christ would come. Well, so what? So what? A few things I want to say tonight about a so what. I'm going to read some passages for you. The first one is in, back in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 to 12. And Hebrews 8, 8 to 12 is the fulfillment of Jeremiah 31. But it says here, for he finds fault with them when he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declared the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on, my, on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me for the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Not every year. Not over and over and over and over again. Hebrews 9 and verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest for the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with his ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our consciences from dead works to, the serve, to serve the living God? Hebrews 10.5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and in sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. But I said, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written of me in the scroll of the book. You see, the bad news is that every one of us was a sinner separated from God. And there's nothing that we can do about it. And even the Old Testament laws and all that they did and all of the preparation and all that the, the picture of the covering of their sin, the blood could not take away their sin. But the finished work of Jesus Christ did once for all. And that's our hope. And that's our confidence I am so thrilled that I don't stand before God even today or one day based on the hope that the blood of some bull or some goat managed to get there at the right time to come. What Jesus did covered my sin once for all. The sin of Adam, which I was born with, I was shapen in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
And there I am without any hope. And Jesus Christ came. He did what the law could not do. What it was insufficient for, what it was incomplete to do, what it could not do just because of the nature of the sacrifice. Jesus Christ, he did it. And he did it once for all. And I didn't earn it. And I don't deserve it. The amazing thing about Easter is Christ gave his life for me and for you so that we could have life and we could have it abundantly by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Once for all. And so when I stand before God, I stand before him because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. I stand before him with my sin covered because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because his blood could cover my sin. His blood does take away my sin. And I stand before God, as it were, the word justified, without sin. Not that I'm perfect, but because his work is perfect. His work accomplished what it needed to accomplish. His work did everything that was needed to be done. But it's not enough to stand before God and say, hey, hey, Jesus did all that stuff. Jesus did all that stuff. Jesus did all that stuff. He did it all. But did he do it for you? Have you received the gift? Have you believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Have you taken that work and made it your own? Not your family, not your heritage, not the church you attend, not the, your faith between you and God. Have you come to the place? The shadow of the law shows how empty we are and how hopeless we are. But what the shadow is of, of Jesus Christ and his work is so amazing and so filled with hope. And that's what we're going to see as we go through the rest of this season and realize even through the awful Good Friday, what Christ did, he did so that my sin would be covered once for all. Mine has, has yours. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your savior. Well, what do I do? How do I do that? Accept the fact that I'm a sinner. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You confess with your mouth before God your sin. You receive the gift and you will be saved. Because Jesus Christ paid the price once for all. Let's pray. Lord God, this is your word, and we thank you for it. We pray, God, that as we um, go through this Easter series and as we consider the truth from your word and even the reality of what the writer of Hebrews 10 was trying to make sure that they understood that all those things that they had been hoping in and thinking in and all the rest, Lord, uh, they were just a precursor to the, the Lord Jesus Christ who had, who had come and had died and rose again. Father, we know the end of the story. We've seen it. Give us eyes of faith 
that we would not only believe it in salvation, Lord, if there's somebody here tonight who's never trusted Christ, I pray that you would bring them to themselves to understand they have no hope outside of Christ. If the blood of bulls and goats and the sacrifices and all the right things they tried to do, if that didn't satisfy you, Lord, our good works, our good efforts aren't gonna satisfy you either. Only the finished work of Jesus Christ. Father, the one who's here tonight who's never trusted Christ, would you bring them to the place of understanding, putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Today is the day of salvation. Work in us for your glory, God, I pray. And for followers of Jesus Christ, Father, help me to never take it for granted. When I'm tempted to sin and I want to take my eyes off the you, help me to remember what the Lord Jesus Christ did. Help me to get focused back on my hopelessness, but your finished work. Help me to live out of the reality of Easter, of what you did for me once for all. And in repentance and in confession, walk forward for your glory. Do this work in your way, for your fame. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.